The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Well, at 3.07, we're going to switch gears. Uh, we're going to move from uh, smoking and uh, city bylaws. We're going to head out to Wetaskiwin, uh, where the city there has taken an unusual measure to deal with the homeless problem it faces. In an effort to help the vulnerable get out of the elements, it has installed two cattle shelters for people to use. Uh did you just say cattle shelter? Okay, with yeah. more, we're joined by city manager Dave Burgess. Hi, Dave. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Hi. Glad to join you. Uh, you have to probably acknowledge that most people would have the same reaction to the news that cattle shelters are being used for humans. Right. I would want to clarify that. It's actually just shelters from the weather that we've used for baseball uh, games or tournaments, uh, hockey, uh, different uh, outdoor activities. So really... It's uh, with benches in it and certainly is just meant to uh, shelter people from some of the weather elements. So it's really just a redesignation. I'm assuming that these were used previously, probably outside rinks or, or other areas, as you mentioned. So, But you're designating them now as shelters for the homeless. We, really, it's just one of our stopgap uh, assistance measures that we're taking. Uh, we've got the reality that we do have quite a few that are sleeping in the bushes just in open open weather areas and it really uh, for far too long that's just been something uh, ignored or just something not uh, dealt with and we felt that it was very important to do whatever we could to assist some of these individuals that find themselves in this situation but it's only one of many steps that we're wanting to take. So, Dave, I want to talk about some of those other steps. But uh, first off, um, you've been quoted as uh, saying as homelessness has been a long-standing challenge for the city of Wetaskiwin. How bad is the issue? Well, on any given day, you'll find 8 to 15, maybe even more, uh, that just find themselves in that situation and won't paint every one of them with the same brush. Uh, but definitely we do know that there's a lot of addictions that are part of this and that's prevalent in other cities throughout the country as well but we do find that uh, in the three seasons of the year they will be uh, flopping in different areas bushes or even just areas to stay out of the sun and quite often they're not hurting anybody at all but uh, being out in the open uh, in areas that have to be addressed or people call uh, the police to end up uh, attending to them it ends up we have a rotating system of people being put in jail cells overnight and it's not it's not only expensive, but it's also not helpful to these individuals. So we're trying to do things in a humane manner, be helpful, but definitely that's not a housing situation. It's just a, a shelter from the from the weather. We do have other steps uh, in play where we're trying to get more permanent housing units or emergency shelter units along with uh, community organizations, and that will follow. Okay, so I guess that is actually the million-dollar question. If it's a stopgap solution or a temporary solution, what's the final solution? What, what, when you say you're making steps towards, what's the timeline? What's the solution? Are we talking about getting money from somewhere to put an actual homeless shelter up? Are we talking about just uh, programs in order to get people off uh, or out of being homeless? What's the final solution? Well, actually, it'll be a mixture of everything you just said there, but we are working with a group right now where we've dedicated funds and some arrangements uh, with property that uh, will help them assist 
uh, or assist them in purchasing a building and renovating that to provide assistance to these individuals on an emergency basis or even just on an assistant basis and also add programs and outreach for those individuals. So it, it's not an easy fix, and we do know that from addictions, that it's just not a, a switch that you, you flick. You have to really be thoughtful in what you can do to help these people. Some actually even choose to be outside and not uh, be confined or controlled in, in uh, a setting such as a, a hostel. So we have to try and help with whatever we can that uh, will be uh, an assistance there to their quality of life, and, and it's not something that we'd want to see as a permanent solution, but definitely on a day-to-day basis, we try and help. So there isn't a designated um, shelter or um, a homeless shelter in Wetaskiwin right now? No, there's okay. not. We, of course, have, you know, uh, outreach uh, with yeah. food. Uh, many people drop off uh, clothes and, and water and food, and our staff do as well. In fact, even our community police officers have long done that where they've dropped off pizza or other food just to try and work with the individuals that are uh, just homeless. Dave, do you th- are these shelters being used for what they are, were intended for? I know um, there was a fellow that was quoted in the story that um, Global Television did yesterday saying that um, the place is being used to gather and drink, uh, that a lot of the people using the shelters aren't homeless. Um, have you documented any of that or any of your staff documented that as their concern about that? Really, we have no way of proving okay. one way or the other. We, we actually try and be thoughtful. We're not intrusive with the individuals that uh, end up using those, uh, those shelters or that area. We actually try and be respectful. And the RCMP and our community police officers are totally on board with that as well. So if we can have it where it's an assistance to the, the community, but also to these individuals, we're really not there to hassle them. We're trying to help. I, yeah, I just I, I I watched it and I look at it and it it, it to me it looks bad. Well, you sure, know, it looks bad. With the blue tarp and there's there's junk and and yeah, and it looks bad, but it's it's better than. Well, everyone keeps saying it's better than nothing, but. Well, I'll just add to that that uh, just maybe fifty yards away from that is the bush area where you would find all that same uh, mess and, mm-hmm. and strewn product that, of course, you and I wouldn't want to to live in, but it's a reality that they are, and it's open to the elements, very unhealthy for them. So if we can have them out of the heat or the rain or mm-hmm. the snow, uh, you know, unfortunately snow too early this year, <laughs> uh, anything we can do to help. So it, we're actually adding to that. Even last night, they just added a, a big drum from the two, uh, our fire chief and the deputy fire chief uh, took out a large drum for them to actually have a safer area to burn wood. Uh, people are dropping off wood and water and food. So it's not a perfect situation, but it's certainly much better than what they had even just two months ago. You know, I have to ask, Dave, I'm, it, it seems surprising to me, and it shouldn't, because we've had this conversation before about smaller municipalities like Wetaskiwin, where you hear that they have a homeless problem, and you think to yourself, how is that possible yeah. in a small town that you have a homeless problem? Where are these people from Wetaskiwin, people who moved to Wetaskiwin, were they pushed out of other municipalities and, and ended up in Wetaskiwin? Where did your problem start? Well, certainly we have neighboring areas that they, they do migrate from, and they'll go back to those areas, usually during the winter months. Um, but we've had people even from Saskatchewan that maybe know others and have migrated here or just find themselves in transition or uh, find themselves here as they're moving elsewhere. So it's a variety of reasons. Uh, quite often it'll be the same circumstances that 
will bring them to be outside like that and not wanting to actually go from uh, to a home that they've uh, that they can reside in. Uh, a lot of it is addictions, and we we definitely know that it won't be all of them that way. But uh, certainly, we have some unhealthy lifestyles that um, are not by their choice. It's from the addiction, and we have to be respectful of that. Yeah, you know, if nothing else, and I, I get that you're doing you know what you can. Uh, with what resources you have. If nothing else, believe it or not, I personally think this is going to bring more attention to the problem. Well, Be- and that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah and, because and, and, as soon as you hear cattle yeah. shelters, a lot of people are going, there's got to be a better solution to yeah. that, not realizing the, the last circumstance was even worse than this. Yeah. Right, and, and I can tell you, we have had great uh, kudos from the public, but we've also had some pretty harsh criticism, <laughs> I'll bet. and we knew that would come, yep. and we're not afraid of that. Uh, I think the biggest criticism that we'd ever have is if we stood by and did nothing. Yep, fair. And that's yep. fair. That's a fair comment. Dave Burgess, the uh, city manager in Wetaskiwin, join us, joining us on the phone. Dave, I guess um, curious, how long do you plan on keeping the shelter uh, there for? And is there any talk about maybe like porta potties, anything like that? We, we're actually trying to uh, secure one that would be, uh, I guess, be able to sustain the area out there. That is our intention as well. We just keep adding things. We're even just small things like taking gravel out because now it's getting muddy. muddy. So there's all these things that you can't possibly think of everything uh, at the start, but we're just adding to that. But no, we don't plan on leaving them out there in the winter months. Uh, We really don't want people staying out there, of course, and we don't think they would anyway. But uh, definitely it's something that we do want to do again next year. Uh, This was a uh, staff-orientated idea and push, but had full support of uh, council and also the RCMP which is nice that uh, everybody knows that we're trying to do our best and it won't be perfect and we'll improve upon it each step we can. Sounds good, Dave. Really appreciate you clarifying that. I know a lot of people were a little surprised to see the story well, and the picture. It was startling when it you was heard startling. It. Yeah, yeah, without yeah. A doubt. yeah. No, I, I was uh, actually shocked when we went walking through the bush and saw the way that some of them were living and cohabitating there was uh, even more disturbing. I'll well, bet it you was. know what, and, and we've seen that certainly in the River Valley here yep. in Edmonton in some of the the little, they call them again, little tent cities mm-hmm. or whatever it is yep. that it's here. It's it's um, startling on both ends. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it this afternoon. Thanks for the call. All right, Dave Burgess out in Wetaskiwin, the city manager uh, out there. Yeah, we're, I know we're going to uh, take... You know a, what? Yeah. If someone had just built those that shelter mm. and just called it a shelter and it and, and, well, the and, word not, cattle, I think. and the livestock shelter whatever right. I think that's what was so what right right it just yes yeah. I pictured a wooden structure with hay on the ground well it is a wooden structure with a blue tarp in front of it that's pretty much all it is yeah yeah but as but Dave had says, you built it, right? Had you built it specifically that way, they were reallocating resources <laughs> yeah, right. and saying that this is yeah. something that we already have. It provides yeah. some amount of shelter, and it's a stopgap. But yeah, I totally get it. It was shocking to read the story, though, originally. Um, I know that uh, we're going to take a break here. Yeah, we are. When we come um, back, do you want to talk about Ticketmaster? Could do. I had another idea, but Ticketmaster okay. has got me fired up as well. All right. Alrighty, four nine six zero zero six three. The number to get a hold of us anytime. The text line is six thirty six thirty. Those are numbers that you need to always remember. The other set of numbers to remember today: four two five. That's right. Four twenty five. That will be your word of the day for your winter getaway chance to win that trip to Montego Bay as we head there January nineteenth. 
And I can tell you right now that if that trip sells out, and it always does, we will not allow scalpers to resell the trip at an inflated price. What if what if Ticketmaster themselves have hired them? <laughs> you know, this is a bizarre story, and I'll give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. It's a CBC story uh, in conjunction with the Toronto Star. Was it the Toronto? Yep, Toronto Star. An investigative story. Here's what happened. Um, there was a convention down in Las Vegas at Caesars Palace, and they were, among the many people who were there was Ticketmaster, and they were specifically recruiting professional scalpers. So I'm going to just take a moment and repeat that. Ticketmaster, owned by Live Nation, who Mm -hmm. has publicly said on many, many occasions that they're doing everything possible to limit or eliminate the resale market and to get rid of scalpers, is actually recruiting scalpers. What? Yeah, and, and they're doing it obviously not publicly. They're doing it privately. There is a reason why and this is not a funny, there's no punchline to this. No, this is, yeah. This is really bad. Uh, it's a public relations nightmare, or should be for them and I, I just feel like, we feel like you need to be aware of this. The way it works is this, and, and by the way the CBC and Toronto Star have documented proof of this. They have hidden video. They sent two people down posing as scalpers from Canada, and there was other Canadian scalpers there as well, who have the video of Ticketmaster representatives explaining to them how the system works and how mm-hmm. much money they can make. And, and the bonuses. The bonuses and the involved numbers. for sales. And basically it works like this. In the past where... You know, and maybe to a certain extent, it's still... If you go to an Eskimo game, you'll see those guys standing outside the LRT. You know, do you have your tickets? Like that kind of thing. With Ticketmaster and this, it works a little differently. So, first of all, Ticketmaster has said publicly, as has Live Nation, that they're going to do everything they can to find bots and get rid of them, eliminate them. Mm -hmm. They've put the number of tickets that you can buy at any one time. They've put limits on those to to help stop the bots. Um, But what has happened is... What, what Ticketmaster is telling these representatives is, oh, don't worry about that. What you do is create 100 fake, mm-hmm. and they say this on video, create 100 fake identities, use a whole bunch of different email addresses, and go ahead and just buy eight at a time until you get to a number that you can make a profit at. So they're telling scalpers how to scalp their tickets. Um, the the way, and as I say, how it worked in the past, this guy outside the station, the LRT station, going, mm-hmm. have you got your tickets? Why it's different is the tickets don't leave the possession of Ticketmaster. So here's how it works, is the guy buys his eight. Um, he pays a commission to Ticketmaster for buying the eight. He does that for 100 times. Now he's bought 800 tickets. He's paid Ticketmaster a commission 800 times. Mm-hmm. Now he turns around, puts them on a third-party site, and resells them at an inflated price. When Ticketmaster transfers those tickets, ownership from him, from their authorized scalper to the end user, they charge another commission. So they're making a double, they're double-dipping their commission. <laughs> and, they're, and then the third way Ticketmaster... Um, benefits is that as tickets sell out, which they always do, they can then release another set of tickets, mm-hmm. you know, the, that imaginary extra two rows Ooh, that they found, it. but based on demand, the price is now much higher yeah. than it originally was. That's They're triple dipping now. And the thing is, the undercover guy on video, one of them, is talking to a Ticketmaster representative saying, well, wait a second, what if I get caught? And Ticketmaster is basically saying, you won't get caught because we'd be the ones to catch you and we're not looking. Yeah. This this is a part of it too that kind of just jumped out at me, and I was when I read this like what? Um, 
this audience heard that Ticketmaster has developed a professional reseller program and within the past year launched Trade Desk, a web-based inventory management system for scalpers. The company touts it as, quote, the most powerful ticket sales tool ever. Right. So think about that. Think about when you hear about bots and mm-hmm. uh, influencing elections and you hear about people hacking the whatever. And you assume, don't you, that whoever got whoever's doing it somehow in the basement developed this fancy algorithm that was able to get around all the precautions that have been put in place by the company no no in this particular case ticketmaster is saying we developed the software now we'll sell you the software which you can now use to scalp our tickets they actually have um a reseller handbook cbc news says it obtained a copy of ticketmaster's official reseller handbook which outlines all the fees that we were talking yeah. about. It also details Ticketmaster's reward systems. We talked about yeah, this. They have sales rewards. Yeah. As scalpers hit milestones such as 500000 or $1 million in annual sales, Ticketmaster will knock a percentage point off its fees. Yep. A um, hundred scalpers in North America, including a handful in Canada, are using this trade desk to move between a few thousand and, a se- and several million tickets a year. That is so this crazy. This guy said, I think our biggest broker right now, this was a quote, I think our biggest broker right now has probably grabbed around five million. Yeah, and you know, at one point he says, um, "Ticketmaster has declined too." Of course they have. I, I will. Wh- at one point, the undercover reporter says, "Yeah, but what about that eight-ticket limit?" Mm. Right, and not only Ticketmaster not only tells him how to get around the eight-ticket limit, he almost embarrasses him. Like, well, no, you can't make any money at eight tickets. What you need to do is create a whole bunch of different accounts. It is crazy. And you know what? Just given the fact that we have believed all along that companies like Live Nation and Ticketmaster have been trying to battle bots, I, I, I think it's time to free some assets here. I think it's time for government to say, let's cease your business until we figure out, because you have lied to parliamentary committees. You have lied to the public. You, this, is, this has got to be illegal at some level. Coming up to the 3.30 News with Eileen Bell on the other side, we'll get an update on uh, the Grey Cup Festival with Executive Director Dwayne Vino. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.